Right, Bass Edge Radio is brought to you by our friends at Keelguard. Protect your boat from grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete boat ramps by visiting them at keelguard.com. Dude, we're going way back. Who let the dogs out? Bass Edge Rocket! You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Kurt, buddy, what is going on with the singing, man? I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to reel you in on the introductions. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. I'm just feeling a little frisky this morning, I guess. Uh, yeah, take your medication, man, because that's painful. But no, seriously, no one will ever accuse us of not having fun here on Bass Edge Radio. Of course, we probably lost half of our listener base, but you know what? Moving right along. How about the weather, my man? This has uh, yeah. been a little interesting lately, huh? It has. We, we thought last year was so unusual. It's not going to happen again in a long time. And then all of a sudden, we've had extended long periods of cold weather through March. You can see how that's pushed things back here in April. A lot of times where, you know, you're seeing fish spawn in the middle of April and a lot of lakes are still kind of pre-spawn and still thinking about moving up. So, you know, you'd go back to that great resource we have of Bass Gold and you're able to take that information. And because of the longevity of all that information, you can really apply it even now. But uh, keep in mind, anglers, that things are pushed back just a little bit. I mean, even back in March here at Amistad, you know, you could see where typically we've got some fish going to bed late February and early March and really they didn't start pushing up till mid-March so you know and obviously I'm way down here in the south so you guys are going to start seeing that same thing here as we're in mid to late April and uh, just keep that in mind when you're going out on the water you know I think we'll all have more success if we keep that focus and remember to slow down in the spring everybody wants to get fired up and start casting and really cranking things really fast but the fish take a while to get that body temperature warmed up those lower water 
columns are still cold, so those fish aren't always just as active as we are to get the spring started. Well, and remember, that's all certainly good advice, Kurt, but we cannot forget it has to do with moon phase. Obviously, previous episodes of Bass Edge, you can go and listen to them all with Bob Lusk on here talking about the importance of having that full moon. That's just nature's way of the bass being able to defend the nest. That water temperature obviously is key. What we talked about, you know, as far as the photo period or the length of the day for the incubation and all that type of stuff. So a lot of factors go into it, and that's where that bass gold does come into play because it removes those uh, outliers in the weather format. Hey, kind of shifting gears, Kurt, I understand there's a a little pledge going on with the amount of pounds that you're going to catch this year, and it's uh, going out for a great cause. You bet, Aaron. You know, every year for the last three years, I have been having a uh, kids camp here at Lake Amistad, getting some of my elite series buddies and and some local guys to, uh, you know, have a four-day camp here. And I've partnered with a group, a nonprofit organization called the Donald R. Kemp Youth Hunt Club. They're out of Las Cruces, New Mexico. You can check them out online. It's KempYouthHuntClub.com. They have, obviously, hunting and fishing club. And last year, I pledged to the club because of the support they've given me throughout the years with my, my kids' camp and getting that thing really started and a strong foundation. I mean, even last year, we gave $3,500 in college scholarships to uh, well-performing kids at the camp. So it's just been growing, 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 but super appreciative for their help. I donated $1 for every pound of fish I caught last year in all the tournaments that I fished, and it ended up being 290-some pounds. So uh, I donated $290. So what we decided to do this year was give people an opportunity to help kids be a part and stay in tune with the outdoors by uh, really donating to the Kemp Youth Hunt Club. The way we're doing that is for every pound of fish that I catch in the Elite Series this year, which is eight events. So we've had the Sabine. I had, you know, 11 pounds and change. Working Gunnersville, had some good weight there. We're keeping track of it all. You can donate 10 cents a pound, 25 cents a pound, 50 cents a pound, a dollar a pound like myself, or make a quick donation, 10, 15, $20, $100, whatever you'd like to do to help keep these kids in the outdoors and donate to this great club and organizations for youth fishing and hunting. It's the uh, Kemp Youth Hunt Club dot com. Scroll down on the left hand side. There's a tab. It says pledge with Kurt. Just click on the tab. Easy to fill out form. Hopefully we get some Bass Edge Nation involved in this and uh, just a small donation goes a really long way. So I appreciate you letting me talk about that, Aaron. And I'll tell you what, we've had some great pro tips and uh, we're going to continue that segment right here. Today's pro tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. This is Mike McClellan, and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron and Kurt. Today's pro tip comes to you from BASS elite pro angler, Keith Poche. Keith, should anglers use scent on all their baits, hard and soft? You know, guys, I've never been a big scent guy, but uh, here recently I've been introduced to a new scent. It's called Liquid Mayhem. 
And uh, it recently helped me place in the top 12 in the Bassmaster Elite Series on the Sabine River. I use scent on just about anything now, on my soft plastics and hard bait. This particular scent is gelled so well, it's got a good combination to it, that it stays on your bait really, really well. You don't have to reapply a whole lot. While I'm flipping along the bank, I'm flipping cypress trees, I was using a beaver and a trick plant. Now, when I apply this liquid mayhem on the beaver or the trick worm, it really gets in all the crevices around the hook and the weight. It really stays on really, really well. So as you're flipping and you're bumping along the stumps and the trees, it's really staying on really well. It's not rubbing off. So I'm really not having to reapply as much. There again, I also fished a crankbait, Lucky Strike Square Bill, somewhere against the trees. I was going down the bank, making a lot of casts. I do apply liquid mayhem to crankbaits as well, hard bait. The combination of liquid mayhem is so sticky that when you apply it, you put it around the hooks, around the swivels, along the bottom of the bait, it really gets in there and it really holds real tight. So it stays on there from numerous casts. I'm not having to reapply over and over and over. So each cast, you're leaving a scent trail. They have crawfish color, they have a shad color, and also a garlic meadow. So using this scent attractive really helped me here recently on my finish at the Sabine River. Well, thank you, Keith, for answering today's pro tip brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Two fishermen came together with one agenda, to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish. With our boat's exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat. We're building a legend. Legend Boats. I am Pro Angler Bill Lowen, and you are locked in to Fast Edge Radio. The fellow we have in this Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight has been on the circuit for over 13 years and has really become one of the most versatile guys on tour. Originally from the Northeast, but now you could just about call him a Florida native. FLW superstar JT Kenny's in the house. Welcome to Bass Edge Radio, JT. I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's awesome to have you, JT. You know, you got a huge win last month at Lake Toho on the FLW Tour. First off, congrats. I'm sure you were fighting off, you know, the uh, the bass fishing groupie junkies that follow you around, you know, signing autographs, skin, whatever, whatever you could. But um, hey, let's talk briefly about that win and what made it possible. You know, you fished several patterns throughout the event to hold on to your big early lead. Yeah, you know, when I saw that event on the schedule at that exact time of the year, you know, early March, and it coincided with a full moon, I knew that there was going to be a massive spawn. Then that was going to be how you were going to catch the big fish. I have a lot of confidence in that. And those big Florida females, they like to spawn around isolated cover. And so I spent like 26 days, if my calculations were correct, going over there and finding every little piece of isolated cover that had the proper attributes all around it, if you will. Like, you know, it had to have some hydrilla close, but not be so choked in that the fish couldn't make a bed beside it, and the proper water depth, and the proper water depth if the water rose or fell. Basically, what it was, was I put all my eggs into one basket. And luckily, 
is hit. You know, it was the right basket. I mean, because if I would have done all that work and some weird cold front would have came through or something happened, it would have all been for naught. But the thing is with those cold fronts in central Florida, we get hammered by cold fronts in January and February. But in March, the chances of a big cold front coming through diminish greatly. And what had happened was, take Lake Okeechobee, for example. It's only 100 miles south of the Kissimmee chain, yet there's a major like cold front barrier between central Florida and south Florida, even though they're right. so close geographically. I mean, like those fronts, as they come down, it's like they always stall somewhere between the Kissimmee chain and Lake Okeechobee. So Okeechobee, there's a massive spawn on the January full moon. There's a massive spawn on the February full moon. Well, I think a lot of the competitors thought coming down there that Kissimmee, only being 100 miles away, was going to act the same, and it's completely different. Those cold friends go right. through Lake Kissimmee all the time. So the major spawn on Lake Kissimmee is usually that full moon in March. And, you know, and this is just from, you know, local knowledge of me, you know, fishing. And, and I don't bass fish in Florida in the summertime, but I bass fish a lot in Florida in the wintertime. So I feel like I got a pretty good thumb on what those fish do. And so when it came on the schedule, I was like, I know I'm going to be casting an isolated cover, whether it be arrowheads, you know, isolated reed clumps or lily pads. I knew that was going to be the deal. And that's how you catch the big one. Now, as far as your presentation, was it mostly plastics? Did you utilize any, any reaction type lures? You've got all sure. these things kind of laid out, of course, you know, and the approach obviously is going to be a little bit different in practice than it is in the tournament so that you can catch them in the tournament, not in practice. How does that all come into play? When well, what I did was I had, once I went around and found all these pieces of isolated cover that had all the right ingredients, a little bit of hydrilla, but not too much. You know, I think I had like 200, the first day of official practice, you know, we get three days of practice. I had like 277 waypoints and they weren't, <laughs> Wow. areas. Right. They weren't areas. They were specific arrowhead clumps or specific pad clumps. Now, there might be 20 good ones in an area, but I had each one individually marked. Like, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, it's, right. I could pull into a bay of lily pads and know there's only 20 clumps I'm going to throw at. So is that... Not uh, to say that there's not fish on those other clumps, but I knew which ones were the perfect ones. So, in practice, I had an eighth-ounce Rainsway, a hitchhiker, and a gambler black and blue fat I had no hook. And I went around throwing to each one of those individual clumps. And when the fish would bite, I'd let them swim off. And then I'd just start reeling into them to try to get an idea of how big they were. Because there was a, ma I mean, I hit it. There was a massive spawn going on. So like right. a lot of those 277 individual clumps I had marked, my line walked off. Like a lot of them. Like half of them probably. In the three days wow. of official practice. I hit I hit all of them in the three days so of official you, practice. So you knew when, when guys were asking you, hey, JT, how was your practice? You're like, eh, it's, it's it was productive. I mean, you knew that you were going to jack them on day one, pretty much. Oh, I was disappointed I didn't have over 30. I had like 29, 14. Yeah, I was disappointed. <laughs> right. Yeah, I had the last day of practice in the area that I eventually ended up starting the tournament. I started in Toho the first morning because that was a bad boat number, and I didn't want to waste any fishing time. So I let everybody go through the lock, so I didn't just sit there and wait in line. Let and everybody go through the I locked back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I heard something like that. I heard that, that, a, that a buddy of mine had a little issue down there in the lock, and I didn't want to run into the same problem, so I just stayed away from that. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah, so I waited and uh, locked through you know, later at like 9 o'clock by myself. But anyway, back to the deal, was that the first place I threw in Lake Kissimmee threw a cast during the tournament. The last day of official practice, I went in there, and I had three fish straighten the hitchhiker out and strip drag with no hook. 
So I Jeez. was pretty sure those were big ones, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right, right. Real quick, you know, you come out with the big lead. You know, you go out and you jack 29 and change. You mentioned to the media pretty quickly that, you know, anything can happen and there's no guarantees. I mean, you kind of gave the notion that you might not be able to keep that pace going forward. What led you to believe that? First of all, you know, you got 277 waypoints and you got a lot of good things happening. You blow it out day one. What's your thought process at that point as far as strategic? The reproductive cycle was going to be over before the tournament was over. Being the full moon was on a warm front when the full moon was the first day of the tournament. Dude, those big females don't stay there. The bucks stay forever. Those big females don't stay. So I knew in practice, the second day and the third day of practice, when I started getting those big bites, at that point, I knew I was going to run out of fish before the fourth day of the tournament. Not run out of bites. I'm going to run out of big ones because they're already there to make a perfect event and break 100 pounds. The full moon would have had to been like the third or the fourth day of the tournament. They get there a couple of days before the full moon. How long is a nine-pounder going to lay on a bed? She's not going to lay there for two weeks. Right, right. Yeah, she's going to lay there a couple of days, and that's it. So that's why I knew, you know, it was going to get tougher. And then plus, the third day, we had a cold front come through, and it was really windy and overcast. And for some reason, those fish, when the isolated piece of cover that they're laying beside is moving with the wind, so when it's windy and wavy, you know, the lily pads or the arrowheads or the isolated reeds, whatever you're fishing is moving. I know they're still there because they have to defend their bed, but golly, do they get tough to bite when the cover is swaying in the waves and in the wind. I don't know what it is, but man, those Florida fish just get very turned off by that. So what I did was, in the prior days coming up to the tournament, you know, before it went off limits, I spent a lot of time throwing a nickel spinnerbait and shallow inside hydrilla stuff, trying to find what I called contingency fish, which was if all the conditions go away from the pad bite, which the pad bite is pads and arrowheads and stuff, is the worst on those windy days. Like I said, when the cover's blowing around, it's terrible. I wanted to have something to go back on, and I did. The third day, I stayed in Toho, threw a nickel's pulsator spinnerbait and caught 14 and a half pounds, actually increased my lead by like a couple of ounces. So right. I went the, from the, catching almost 30, you know, almost 23, and then only catching 14-something, but I actually increased my lead because I was ready for that. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't bother me in the least when it was overcast and, you know, windy as heck, and I just said, well, I'm just going to stay up here and throw a spinnerbait, and I did, and I caught 14-something. It was like, uh, like I had that built into my whole plan, you know? Well, that's yeah, a that's tes- great. testament to what you do, you know? Yeah, great adjustment right there, for sure. Well, you know, Florida, and you kind of talked a lot about not only the fish itself, but also just the diversity of what Florida has to offer. And, and you know, it's in my opinion, it's one of the most interesting states to fish in the country. And it's unlike really a lot of the other states. What is it that you've learned in Florida that you're able to take back to your roots in the Northeast and know it's going to pay big dividends? Probably just understanding grass fish and like how they group up and what they do. And, and that's really helped me. But, but I think overall versatility as an angler is just, you know, I've been solely making my living for the last 13 or so years traveling around fishing tournaments. And unlike if you say there's 100 Bass Elite pros and 150 FLW pros, if you pull all those 250 anglers together, I would venture to say there's maybe 20 in that group, maybe a couple more that don't have another source of income. Now, trust me, they all call themselves professional 
professional anglers. And in some way, shape, or form, they all are. But a lot of them own a construction company, too, own a bunch of rental properties, own this, own that. And good for them that they have that supplemental income. But the general public thinks that all these guys out there, they just fish for a living. And that's not true. There's very few of us. But I am one of them. So I think my versatility came from freaking necessity. I, you know, I have to get a check to pay my yeah, mortgage. Sh- show me the money to put food on the table, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't have to get a check to pay my mortgage anymore because when I won that tournament last week, I paid my mortgage off. Nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I still have to do that to put food on the table, to pay my cell phone bill, my health insurance. You know, that's something that most people get their health insurance. Bass pros don't get health insurance unless they own their own construction company and are on their plan. Us guys that really do it, BASS doesn't pay our health insurance or FLW doesn't pay our health insurance. We got to go pay that $500 a month. So that's just stuff that there's a lot of bills associated with professional bass fishing and guys that honestly do it and don't have any other source of income. You know, there's not that many of us, but like you said, it's necessity and that's how you learn to be versatile. Like a lot of people know me as, you know, pitching and flipping guy. To be honest with you, I'm sure this is something that most of the public would love to know. Probably day in and day out in tournaments, putting food on the table for my family, I probably catch most of my fish on a crankbait, whether a deep crankbait or a shallow crankbait. But that's not what most of the media writes about. When I'm in the media, they're always talking about pitching and flipping. You know, I do the Bass University classes with Lucic and Ike and Ellie and all them, and they always have me doing pitching and flipping and grass fishing stuff. And that's fine. And that I guess you would have to say that would be my area of expertise. But like I said, throughout the course of the year, I'll probably catch more fish on a crankbait than anything else. We're going to do a show later on this year. It's going to be surviving with a crankbait with J.T. Kenny. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's actually very, very true. I'm going to hold us to that. We're going to do that later on this year, maybe this fall. You know, crankbait's a good deal in the fall, so maybe we'll do it oh, back yeah. then. But let me, let me say, JT, you're a super relaxed angler on the water. You know, I had a chance to fish very close to you last year at the uh, Bass Fest event there on Chickamauga, and yeah. uh, all of us had a hoot out there. You know, it was a pretty good time. But, you know, I <laughs> right. saw a photo of you eating a taco salad at Toho, dude, and it was so freaking awesome. Um, you know, you can call it experience or, or whatever you want, but there's something to your relaxed demeanor. You know, is that something that you've learned that helps you perform better under the stress of tournament competition, or is that just who JT is? I, you know, I would have to just say that's who I am. You know, I don't try to get too uh, uptight or upset about anything, you know. I guess the only thing I really get upset about is if I consciously think I made a really bad decision in an event and, and I should have known better. Like, there's been times that I have a bad event and I don't get too upset because I'm just still bewildered and didn't know. But when you hear about how everybody else caught him and you're like, I should have known that. That's about the only time I get upset. Any other time, right. I'm just, uh, that's like you said, it's just me. I'm just pretty laid yeah. back and I just like to have a good time and do what I do. You're certainly living the dream, JT, and there are several young anglers that uh, that really look up to you and, and want to be the next FLW professional angler. Was there anyone in particular that kind of in your youth or, or as your career and as a person developed that you looked? up to or that was a, a mentor to you throughout the process? Uh, there's a guy that I used to fish with in Virginia named Bo Frazier. He uh, he actually lives in uh, Florida now, too, not anywhere near me. He lives on the other coast. He's a tarpon guy now, but him and I fished a lot together when I was young. And uh, I'd say probably him. And then there's been a couple other people throughout the years. Chip Harrison was a really good buddy of mine. He used to fish uh, FLW and BASS. I look up to him a lot. He doesn't fish anymore, but he's still a friend. Um, but that's 
probably those two is probably about it. I mean, there's a lot of anglers on the tour that I have a lot of respect for and a couple that I don't. But, uh, you know, we can talk about that let's, at another let's, time, let's too. Talk, yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait. We'll no, leave, let's we'll go there right in. now. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that in with, with uh, the show we're going to do about all the groupies and, you know, how i got to fend them off with a baseball bat sometimes just to get my boat <laughs> in the water. There you go. Uh, and then that would yeah, be the same time we release the photos. It's right? my burden to bear, fellas. You know, it's tough. But, uh, you know, I try yeah, to get by with it. Tough life. That's tough life. <laughs> Good stuff, man. I tell you what, let's take a quick break. Bass Edge Radio will return in a moment. Sign up to become an O'Reilly Oh Rewards member today and start earning instantly. Oh Rewards members earn $5 back for every $150 they spend, so if you haven't become a member yet, what are you waiting for? It's fast, easy, and free. Oh Rewards, it's your road to exclusive offers only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stick around, and later in the show, you just might hear some Bass Edge bloopers. I know it's hard to believe, but Aaron and Kurt make a mistake once in a while. Okay, well, it happens a lot, actually. Back to the show. You're listening to Bass Edge. Bass Edge Radio, presented by MegaWare Keelguard, returns with FLW Tour champion JT Kinney in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oils that surpass all manufacturers' requirements, visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. JT, I've heard for several years that, you know, it's amazing that all the tour events in Florida are generally in the earliest part of the tournament season, you know, January, February, March, you know. I've never been to Florida in April and May and June, but, you know, I hear the fishing is so much better down there. Do you agree with that? And what are the tactics that work this time of year, you know, late April, early May, down in your home state of Florida? You know, to be completely honest with you, I really don't fish down there that much either because, you know, that's when we're out on the tour season. I mean, I do a little bit, but you catch a lot more fish. Like, all the fish are actively up in the grass and feeding. Most of them are in a post-spawn stage, but uh, you get a lot of the brim and bluegill moving up into the grass at that time of the year, and uh, they're a lot more actively feeding. And the thing is, with those earlier tournaments, you have those opportunities opportunities that are really big bag of fish. If we had tournaments in Florida later in the year, like you said, in April or May, you would see a lot more 20-pound bags. You wouldn't see as many high 20 bags, but it would be one of those deals where it would take a lot more to get a check because if you notice in Florida, like for example, let's take this Toho tournament. The first day I had 29-14 or whatever. Now, I don't know exactly what it was because I wasn't looking down at 50th place, but I'll bet you it was 12 or 13 pounds. If you look at the weights, it takes a lot to win in Florida, it doesn't take a lot to get a check. That's exactly right. Most people don't understand that, but it's true. Every once in a while, there'll be a scenario come along where it's pretty high check weight, but most of the time, it's really not. But anyway, getting back to what you were saying, the best thing to be throwing in April and May in Florida is... Like, my favorite that time of year is the Gambler Big Easy. And just about any color works. There's really no way to fish it wrong either. You know, you buzz it across the top or just reel it just under the surface. You know, it's just a soft plastic swim bait. You know, you can cover a lot of water with it and, and really wear them out. I mean, it's a fun time to fish in Florida. And like I said, I don't get to do it very often, but I get to hear all my buddies when I come home for a week or so of being out on tour <laughs> and they're telling me about how they were over at Toho or Kissimmee. And we only caught 
at 60 today. It was pretty slow. And I'm like, 60? God, I would love to <laughs> 60 fish. Yeah, Put exactly. a little beaver lake working my rear end off for a couple of little shaky head spotted bass. You guys are down here catching 60 bass a day. Give me a break. You know, but, uh, so yeah, it, it is a good time of the year to be fishing in Florida. Well, outside of Florida, you know, kind of looking at the rest of your schedule and really for the larger part of kind of the nation, you know, April 15th, here we are, post-spawn phase in many of your events that's going to be left. And then also, obviously, as that warming trend continues northward, are there specific tactics, you know, that work better for you this time of year? Right now, most of the fish, like you said, are in some stage of the spawn, whether it's to our northern parts pre or maybe spawning to, you know, the southern areas is post-spawn, but they're in some stage of the spawn. So whatever tactics you pick, it's going to be a shallow deal pretty much. Now, that's when guys really have to let their instincts take on and play on that because you might be out there catching shallow fish on, say, a, you know, a gambler fat ace, you know, weightless stick bait, and it's calm and sunny, and then the next day it's raining, and then you go back out there and, you know, and try to throw that stick bait. Those fish are still in the same areas, but just do what you were doing if you had no pre conceived notions. You need to go back there and you need to throw a, a 1.5, you know, or a Yozuri rattling vibe or a nickel spinnerbait, you know, and, and just change up. You know, once you find the fish, the fish are still in those areas. And, you know, as each day progresses, you need to not be hard headed and I caught him on this, so that's what I'm going to throw. You know, and here's another example of the other way. It's windy and rainy, and you're smashing them on a spinnerbait, and then the day of your tournament, it's sunny and calm, and there you are at noon still throwing a spinnerbait down that same bank. It's like, dude, <laughs> you know where the fish are. Just adapt to the conditions. But it's so funny that how anglers won't do that. But that's the best piece of advice I could give somebody for this time of year is just stay pretty shallow and just let the conditions dictate what you do. Why is that concept, do you think, is so hard? Do you think it's just human nature that we want to recreate something that we've had success on? I mean, because you hear a Absolutely. lot of this, right? You hear, uh, okay, you got to go fish your strengths. You got to go fish your confidence, right? And then at the same time, you hear another angler say along the same lines, which is totally true, just like you mentioned. Well, you know, you caught him on a spinnerbait yesterday, but you know, you didn't today. Obviously, it might be a weather condition change or whatever. That seems like the golden rule in fishing, you know, to, to we follow are, your instincts, but yet, you know, it's so difficult difficult it seems at times because that's what you know we all screw up eventually oh yeah oh i've done a lot of times i want nobody out there to ever discredit my ability to make poor decisions because i can do it (laughs) but but no it's exactly what you said it's us trying to recreate a good thing that happened to us and uh some of the best anglers out there they just let things happen you know just do what they think they need to do each day and not try to try to relive and there's you know some of the most versatile anglers out there in my opinion david dudley and luke clausen those two guys i mean it's funny they'll come running in with two seconds to spare sit down at the check-in boat and there is strewn stuff all over their boat there's lines broke off flailing in the wind just baits laying all over the floor and you, i mean you they pull up beside you and you're like what a train wreck like really and you know i'm like hey luke how'd you do ah we got about 19 i'm like 19 what you know like but those guys just total instinct fishing just you know they just go oh oh now i need to go do that it's something they haven't done for two years much less in practice but right. they just there's something in their gut tells them, and they go do it where the rest of us stick to what we learned in practice and like i can sit here and talk about it and i still do it 
like I said, don't discredit my ability to make a bad decision. But it's, hey, I'm, but I'm I right see with these you. other right. but right. But I see these other guys. They can go do that and very successfully. And I've done it before too. But I don't. I just don't do it as much as I think I need to go do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it really is to get back to your point. It is us trying to recreate something good because we go down and stretch a bank or in a pocket or something. We catch seventeen pounds in there. We know seventeen pounds is going to get us to the third day, and that's all—that's what we all want to do: get to the third day, so we can get to the fourth day. That's going to get us to the third day, so we want to go in there and recreate that. And it's almost like mentally, you have to go. The conditions aren't the same. I know the fish are in here. I need to either change my presentation and my bait, or just you know go someplace else because it was real clear water and it was windy and overcast, and I was catching them, and now it's flat and calm. And we all know that bass aren't real cooperative in flat, calm, clear water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. let's exactly. The bed, locked on the bed. They're not. They're not real cooperative. Or, right. or unless they're a smallmouth. <laughs> smallmouth would be pretty cooperative just about any yeah. time. You know, it's us trying to recreate something, and it's just a bad deal. And we all steer down that road, and it's it's a road we should avoid. There was a couple roads earlier in my life I wish I would have avoided too. But we'll put that in that other show as well. Yeah, is that is that fishing related or? or... Yeah, I got fishing poor life decisions, and then I have poor life decisions, and I was all talking right. about the latter. We will definitely get into that in a different episode. Again, with the surviving (laughs) throwing a crankbait by JT Kenny and and surviving another. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, it's time to uh, hit up the O'Reilly Auto Parts Better Parts Better Prices Every Day Listener Question segment. JT, every episode we give away a hundred dollar O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card to a listener question. This episode we selected a question from David Gloden from Greenville, Michigan. David asks. Do you need an insert in all tungsten weights that are not pegged? Why do they make it sound like insert free is great if it just frays your line? <laughs> you know, it's funny that that's the question because I have been asked that question a lot. And I'll tell you one thing. I will not, absolutely not throw a tungsten weight without an insert in it. And I know that these companies are saying that they're, you know, they're, it's perfectly smooth and you don't need an insert and all this stuff. Right. In my personal opinion, that's crap. That, that is <laughs> untrue. There's, and I can give you a perfect example and I'll even name names. So at the Toho event, a really good buddy of mine, Lionel Botha, he's from South Africa, just moved here, and he's fishing the SLW tour, good friend of mine. He's with your rod oh, group, buddy. Right? Halo. Halo yes. Fishing Rod? Yes, he is. Yeah, he is yeah. with Halo, oh. yes. Yep. Right. He, uh, he, ah, buddy, you know, he's got a South African accent. I just love that. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, buddy, I broke a big one off the first day. I broke a big one off the second day. And I'm like, well, what kind of junk line are you using? Oh, no, 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 it's not my line. I go, well, the only other thing it could be is your insert slipped out of your weight. And he goes, well, I'm not, no, I'm using so-and-so's weight. But you don't have to have an insert. I walked right over to his boat. I said, hold your hook. And I slid his, his bobber stopper up the line so I could slide his weight up and down the line about a foot, right? right. Held the line tight, slid his sinker up and down his line about three times, and it was sprayed to no end. It was unbelievable. Wow. Oh, buddy, these are supposed to be, you know, you don't need them. Blah, blah, blah. And I go, well, look, there's, I go, right there's the proof. What do you think? The only tungsten I use is Reigns. They still come with an insert. I don't think there's too many out there that, if there's any anymore that you can get that doesn't come with an insert other than a Reigns. Or if you really have a time finding the Reigns, you can take a piece of heat shrink and set you a candle up. And I think it's eighth inch 
heat shrink and then you heat the heat shrink and it'll suck down to size and then you can actually glue that heat shrink inside your uh, tungsten weights and make your own inserts like that. I've done that before as well. Wow, that's great advice on two scenarios there. JT, I'm really glad that you did not have an adamant opinion on the insert question. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? That leaves no question for David as far as which one to throw. So David, thanks for sending in your question. Congratulations for having it chosen to be answered on the show. Please send us an email letting us know you heard it answered on this episode of Bass Edge Radio by JT Kinney, and we will send out that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Of course, Bass Edge Nation continue sending in those questions for a chance to receive the next $100 gift card for the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment. Questions should come through our email support at Bass Edge or our Facebook page or Twitter handle at Bass Edge. And always remember to include your name and hometown. Well, JT Congrats again on your great start to the season. Any closing remarks for our listeners today? I'm just glad that everybody stopped by, and uh, I hope that uh, I'll be back on Bass Edge sometime soon to do my uh, groupie deal and poor life decision thing. I think you all really enjoy it. Oh, I guarantee you we will. I want to thank you for spending time on Bass Edge Radio, and I, I can just see it now, you know, life according to JT. I mean, this is, oh, is going to be a neat thing. I am going to write it. That's right. Well, hey, I know our listeners appreciate it, and so do I. Bass Edge Radio, we'll be right back after this message. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. There you got it, man. That was a freaking awesome interview with JT. I love that dude's personality. He's just very outgoing. Got to go back slightly to one of the questions we had in the interview talking about Florida fishing. I think that the new marketing in Florida shouldn't be, you know, come here in the winter, January, for March, dude. It sounds like freaking April, May is the time to be there. The jack giant hogs all the time. Certainly from a standpoint of quantity, Kurt, I would definitely agree with that. And, you know, I would like to get other people to, you know, pardon the pun, weigh in on this subject. But in my opinion, now, obviously, I cannot say I'm by any means a big fish expert, but the ones that I have caught, to me, it seems way more enjoyable. This is my personal preference as the disclaimer. I would much rather go out and catch several fish than what I would to maybe fish numerous days for one big bite. That's right, Aaron. I couldn't agree with you more on that aspect. And I think that's really what we're doing when we're fishing really early springtime. You know, the fish are not quite as grouped up until they really get right into that pre-spawn stage, you know, maybe a week or two before they hit the beds. But then it seems like that post-spawn phase, everything is shallow. So it's just a, a much funner time of year. And although maybe you don't have that opportunity to catch several of those nine or ten 
pounders throughout a several week fishing process. I'd rather go out and catch 20, you know, two to five pounders anyway. So um, just a little bit different concept, but everybody gets so jacked up about going to fishing early in the spring. And maybe a lot of people are just now hitting the water because of the really cold times that we had and everything being a little bit behind this year. You know, stay out there, keep kicking around the fishing poles right through June and into late June, early July, pretty much everywhere it gets hot unless you're maybe super way up north fishing for smallies, maybe in Michigan or New York. But man, lots of great fishing all the time. I just can't get enough out of it. How about you? I agree. It's a great time of year to also take people fishing. I want to stress that. You know, grab somebody that perhaps isn't hasn't been exposed to the sport much with all the fish being in shallow, being on the bank. They can uh, make a bad cast and not necessarily have to uh, hit a target or something like that or a piece of structure. You know, throw a shaky head, whatever bait is your choice, and chances are they're going to get a tug on the end of the line and probably have them hooked on fishing for the rest of their life. Unfortunately, we are out of time. This has been episode number 206, a very entertaining episode, I might add, with JT, certainly an individual that we will have back on numerous occasions. For Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. We will see you May 1st, everybody. So long. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Hey, I'm J.T. Kenny with Bass Edge Radio. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you only need the edge. <laughs> pretty cool, wasn't it? <laughs> that, that, I, I think, thank goodness I had record on right there. Uh, so we're done? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> hey, Keith, can we get a little, little, uh, hell yeah? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Game on. Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 